to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast, which is join, who is joining us via phone, is my friend Hannah Larson. Welcome to the podcast, Hannah. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'll give our listeners a little background on Hannah, and then we'll have Hannah share um, her story. Hannah recently graduated from BYU, actually graduating in June of 2020 um, in the, with a PR degree from the communications department. Hannah is one of these um, people graduating in the spring of 2020 that won't have a commencement or a walking or a chance to sort of come together. So that could be a podcast in itself. Um, pa- Hannah is a return missionary. She's been home about two and a half years, served in ca- Southern California. And um, the way I became aware of Hannah is an Instagram account that she started called Humans, Humans of BYU. And I encourage everybody to go to that Instagram account and check it out. And um, that's what we're going to talk about is Hannah's desire to start this account. The account has taken off. It's got uh, over 6,000 followers and, and shares stories of people at BYU that have probably harder roads so we can better understand them. And Hannah's calling in, if I haven't mentioned this, from Page, Arizona, her hometown. She, when BYU sort of went online, like many BYU students that don't live in Utah, they went home. And so we're grateful to have Hannah call in from Page, Arizona. When I think of Page, I think of Lake Powell, Hannah. How close are we to Lake Powell? Um, Paige is five minutes away from Lake Powell. So Lake Powell is practically my backyard. And um, that's a great spot. And we've had a couple of your, um, I know two of the people you've featured on Humans of BYU. Our daughter-in-law, Devin Dayton, who married our son, Jake, has been on Humans of BYU. And she has a gay son. I love Devin. You know Dev then? Yes, I love her. And she's has a wonderful gay brother, Jake, and I love the way you brought her story and Jake's story to life. And we've had Braden McFadden, an early release missionary. I was so compelled with his story that I reached out to him and he came on the podcast. And I'm working with a couple of others that you've profiled to be potential podcast guests. So I don't know if wonderful. that's called, I don't know if that's called poaching, um, <laughs> But whenever we have one of your guests on, we want to make sure that um, we bring voice to humans of BYU and get more people connected to your Instagram account. So Love it. We're a team. We're a team, Hannah. I love that. Tell us, tell our listeners just the story of starting this account. Yeah, I love that. Um, thank you for that introduction also. Um, so since I was 16 years old, I'm 24 right now. I have wanted to do something similar to humans of New York. I'm not sure if the people listening are familiar with humans of New York, but, um, a guy started to interview and take pictures of people around New York city and eventually the world. And he started doing that around the time I was 16 and, I saw the account and I saw the empathy and understanding and love that it created between other people. And I just knew that that was something that I would want to do. I believe that God put me on earth to increase love in the world. And I know that he wants me to do that using my gifts and talents of 
being able to make friends and storytelling and writing and using social media. And so, yeah, since I was 16, this is just like, I always wanted to do something similar. And then um, when I got to BYU, um, I had a goal to meet three new people a day. And this was just because I love making new friends and I love learning about people. And as I did that goal and as I met a lot of people, I just was consistently overwhelmed with how good God is because these people are just so amazing. And I wanted um, a platform to be able to highlight these people who are so incredible and their stories um, because I believe that when we learn from where people come from, we love them. And I believe there is a great need for that type of content on social media. Um, there's a lot of social media accounts that depict um, or like poke fun at BYU and Provo, which like I love, people love. But I also really felt strongly that I wanted this authentic viewpoint of how incredible people are and their stories. And I wanted to give a voice to what I felt was, you know, really authentic and true to the people who were around me on a day-to-day basis. Are there um, stories in the New Testament or the Book of Mormon that kind of provide a doctrinal foundation for what you're doing or that resonate with you as far as just reaching Um, out to those that are on the margins? Amazing. Oh my goodness. I love that question so much. Wow. Um, so I actually got to teach a, a couple of months ago, I got to teach a seminary class because the teacher wanted me to talk about what I'm doing with humans of BYU and the doctrines that I taught to share about humans of BYU, um, were about developing charity and following the spirit. Um, I would say like one of my favorite Book of Mormon verses is Moroni 745 um, about what charity is and praying for charity, because I really feel like um, that's the doctrine that is, I guess, embodied the most in the page is love, loving like Jesus Christ. And so, I mean, I feel like, I don't know, the trying, my desire to learn about other people and asking them sincere questions and having them tell me about themselves helps them feel loved, helps them feel understood. And it also makes me feel God's love because I realize um, how wonderful everybody is and that um, God is our loving Heavenly Father and that we're all brothers and sisters. It's a great chapter. Um, we didn't plan that question ahead of time, listeners. Um, just felt impressed that Hannah would have a really good answer for that question, so thank you. Tell our listeners, if they're not familiar with the count, um, just I know you've done lots of different stories. Is there a general theme? or you? It, just It's kind of like my podcast. My podcast has grown it used to be LGBTQ, and now it's broader. Just talk to our listeners right. about kind of the focus of the stories you're bringing to life. Yeah. Um, I guess when I started the account, um, I, I started interviewing 
um, people that I knew. So friends that I had known just because I was just getting started. Um, but now the majority of stories that you see on the account, the majority of interviews that I do are people that I haven't met before. Um, and so I have people who follow the account who reach out to me and say, oh, like you should interview this person, kind of like a referral type of system. And then at times I reach out to random people on social media as well, or I, since I've had a goal of meeting three new people a day, I know a lot of people. And so I'm kind of like, oh, I could interview this person. And kind of I, it, it's kind of developed, like you said, I didn't at first, I don't know, I was just kind of trying to get the account started and I was like wanting to highlight the people that I knew who have like changed my life and were inspiring to me. Um, but now I I kind of try to follow the spirit in who Heavenly Father wants me to interview and what kind of stories I want he wants to um be showcased. Um I think it's I try to get every type of perspective, I guess, and every type of experience. And so I don't want it to be, I want that everybody has a different experience. And so I want to make sure that, I don't know, I'm trying to get all the experiences. And obviously I can't interview everybody, even though I would like to, but I really want to make sure that all these different types of experiences are brought to light. So we can collectively realize together, like, oh my goodness, someone went through that. And it, that was like their whole, that was such a huge challenge for them. Or that was something that was so important to them. And I never even think about it, but helping people realize, okay, wow, each person is going through something different and experiencing something different. And I should try to understand them because that helps me love them. Tell our listeners, how when you interview someone and you're and this is a visual account obviously with Instagram I don't think there's video here there's content here and a picture how just share with our listeners do you how long does the interview go and a little bit about that process yeah yeah um so I um reach out to whoever the person is to um set up a time with them to interview them and we meet up somewhere on campus or wherever's convenient to them. And I just talk to them for a little bit. And then I record the interview using an app called Otter. Um, and typically the interviews last an hour, um, sometimes shorter, sometimes a little bit longer, depending on, how much they want to say. It takes a while to like help people open up sometimes to be able to be that vulnerable, um, to share that um, or those experiences, especially with someone that they don't even know because most of these people have never met me. Um, and then after I record the interview, then my assistant or I transcribe it. So we type out, we listen to the recording and type out the recording, which usually results in like 10 pages of transcript or less, eight to 10, seven to 10 pages. 
And then I take those seven to 10 pages and I edit it down into a caption, which is the most uh, difficult part about what I do um, is because it's taking, making a caption out of a lot of content. And that probably takes me like two to four hours, depending. And then after I create the caption, I use the picture that I took of them after the interview and I post it on Humans BYU. So that's great. Um, that does, uh, it's helpful to understand the process. And um, that is a challenge to take an hour interview and put it into captions. The podcast format, I'm recognizing I don't have to do that. We just, you know, we just post the podcast and don't do any right. editing unless our guests want something edited. So that's interesting. I found a post that you did on Humans of BYU. Um, I'd forgotten that you made a post, and I'm going to read what you wrote here. It's kind of what you said a little bit. Since I was 16, my life purpose has been to increase love in the world. Doing something like Humans of BYU has always been my biggest dream, referencing Humans of New York, New York. I believe love is the answer to the world's problems. I believe when we learn more about where people come from, we love them. I believe our lives are beautiful because of the people in them. Hence, humans of BYU. I love that because to me, love is a doctrine of our church. It's a doctrine that Christ taught. It's not a secondary doctrine to other doctrines. And I, I think sometimes we create this dichotomy in our minds to, to fully love some people, even if they're not living the teachings of the church, that we can't do that. We're selling something out or to fully love God and follow God and follow our leaders. We can't love everybody. Um, and I just think, as you're teaching in your account, that that's a false dichotomy, that we can love everybody. Unless they're like right. ISIS trying to bomb us and infringing on our personal freedoms. But um, So there are some appropriate boundaries, but I just... I, I agree that when you hear people's stories, it develops empathy, it develops um, awareness, it develops better tools then to help lift their burden. And in that process, we sometimes rescue ourselves as we right. are better aware of other people. Any more thoughts on that um, you want to share with our listeners, Hannah? Yeah, I would love to. Um, I think, I mean, I love the name of your podcast, Listen, Learn, and Love, because I feel like that that is the process that I uh, started to experience at BYU since making that goal to meet three new people a day, because I, I, made, I made it because, well, Heavenly Father, when I first came to BYU, I was kind of intimidated by how awesome everybody was, um, and I was like, oh my goodness, how am I supposed to fit in? with these people who are like the cream of the crop. I don't know. And I just remember Heavenly Father telling me like, you know, instead of being intimidated by the people around you, you should seek to learn from them and seek to love them. And so that was kind of the basis of why I, I made that goal to meet three new people a day. And then just in, in my experience doing that and just meeting so many people and learning from them and asking them questions about their lives, I started to change because I felt like so much love for them and just more, I just felt more close to Heavenly Father, more close to Jesus Christ, more united with them. And so I just was like, oh my goodness, this thing that I'm doing is, is I feel like 
you know, what Jesus would do. And so I kind of, I know that if Jesus were at BYU campus, that he would be doing that same thing. Like he would be trying to talk to the people around him and learn more about them and see where they came from so that he could understand them. And so, and that's just like what I kind of hope, I hope that is what, I hope people who follow the account kind of start to feel that as well, or kind of want to have a desire to start to learn from the people around them and start to love them better. And so kind of the, the slogan or the motto of the account is um, to sharing stories to help um, to motivate others to love more and judge less. And I definitely agree with you that, yeah, love is a core doctrine. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of pure love, and that's who we're supposed to strive to be like. So, Really love that, Hannah. Uh, talk about um, stories that particularly, I assume you can tell by metrics like likes, um, comments, the ones that gain the most traction with people that are following the count. Share with our listeners some of the stories that have had the most interaction. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really cool to see because people respond to vulnerability and authenticity. And that's what I try to bring to every story um, because I feel like, especially on social media, there's like a lot of negativity. There's a lot of neutrality and kind of sometimes a little bit of fakeness. And I, I feel like everybody wants to have authentic connections and vulnerable connections because that's just people being real and something that they can relate to. So the stories that have had the most engagement, like all of the stories have great, had you know, have had great responses and people resonate to different stories differently based on like their own experiences. Um, but yeah, for instance, I mean, um, just a couple in particular. So Braden's story, who you interviewed, um, his had a ton of people respond to it. And I, he obviously for the people who listen to the podcast, you know, if you've listened to Braden's story, he came home early from his mission, um, had OCD and depression and different mental health things. And I think his story, I mean, just resonated with people because it kind of hit a couple different things that are really prevalent in the church. So like coming home early from a mission is kind of a hot topic and mental health is also a hot topic, but then also the way that he describes his experience, he's very honest. Um, I mean, just to read some of it, um, he is just like, when I got off the plane the next night, I couldn't look my parents in the eyes. I bawled all the way home. My mom just sat there and held me. All I could say was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I tried to be a good example. I'm sorry I failed. And I feel like that is something that is especially a point that members of the church can relate to about 
not even in just missions, but in just general, this kind of like perfectionist tendency or this like pressure, especially if you're the oldest kid to be the example. And you're always as a member of the church, you're supposed to be a good example. And then like in your family, if you're older and you're going on a mission, you're supposed to be a good example. And so there's, you know, that kind of pressure. He confronts that pressure. And obviously he didn't have any control over what he's experiencing and like going home early was out of his control. And like, God is proud of him. And that was his journey. And that's totally fine. But it's just something that hits, I think, like a lot of different nerves, I guess, in the church community. That's a great one. Um, And um, I'm so glad you did that story. What a great man he is. Um, Yeah. I love, I just love that. I love, when I thought of that, I thought of, I've been thinking now that so many missionaries are coming home, and I think you have a brother that just was evacuated in one of those charter flights out of the Philippines. And so we have a son serving in Samoa who we're not quite sure, you know, exactly what's going to happen to him. But I think of the parable of the worker in the vineyard in Matthew 20, 1 through 16, I reread that this week. And I, if I get that parable correct, it's every every worker wanted to work that day and earn a penny. And some were put to work early in the morning, some in the afternoon, and some in the evening. But they all got the same reward. And we don't go on missions necessarily for re, our own reward. But in some ways, we do hope we're blessed for our consecrated service. And I love that we've made that sort of time-related, but often that's not possible. And the intent of everybody's heart, like Braden McFadden's heart, Fadden's heart, was to serve a full mission. Um, and that did was not possible for him. So I felt that Braden is blessed on the intent of his heart, not the length of his service. Right. And I think there's a doctrinal foundation of that. But culturally, as you're helping undo by bringing these stories to life, it can be very difficult for Brain to walk into church just a short time after he left. Other stories right. that are helpful, other stories that resonated, that got a lot of traction you want to share with our listeners? Yeah. yeah. And kind of to, I mean, before I answer that question, but kind of to go along with what you just said about culturally, I guess that's like another part about why I highlight the stories that I do and like try to follow the spirit I really feel like there are cultural barriers that could be broken in the church and just like stereotypes that um and stigmas that we need to get out of our heads so Braden's was really great because there's obviously a stigma about coming home early from the mission um and so I really I I feel like that's a thing that Heavenly Father is wanting me to do through this account is just open people's eyes and like maybe the stereotypes and the things that you have in your head about a way that certain people are or people act isn't actually true. And that when we put up those stereotypes and when we buy into those stigmas, that's actually preventing us from loving the way that Jesus wants us to and the way that he did. So that's just like a little side note, but, um, Another, yeah, another story that probably resonated. I mean, again, all of them had different people resonate with them. Probably for me, um, one of the ones that I, that really resonated with me, one that was early on, um, 
I covered this um, student. His name is Reese, and he is um, a gay student at BYU, and he's the first gay student that I I interviewed for the page, and um, his I just really appreciated his testimony, and like obviously, this is I mean. LGBTQ rights and the discussion within the church is really um, prevalent as well. And so I thought it was super important to highlight him and like his experience being gay at BYU and being gay and a member of the church. And um, I just, um, he had just like this super awesome testimony that really helped inspire faith in me and really helped inspire faith in like the people who read it as well. And I think that's what I would like to do ultimately is to help people not only like obviously love better through the page, but also help them want to grow closer to Jesus Christ and help them want to follow the spirit. So his, I did in September. So it's a little bit back, but yeah, he just, I love him because one of the things that he said, um, oh, he says, a lot of people ask me why I stay in the church because he's gay. For me, what is important are the five covenants I've made in the temple, my word and the promises and blessings God will give, as well as the thought of being with my family forever are what influences my decisions here and now. So by extension, yes, I go to church, but those promises I made in the temple are where I get my desire to stay in the church. And I just, I mean, that just resonates with me a lot because it just shows me like, wow, he's like so strong and he's, you know, staying faithful and in the church because of the covenants that he made in the temple. And I feel like that that kind of example is something that we can all take away no matter what our challenges are that like it is the covenants that we made in the temple that should guide our lives. I'm reading some of that story too, and I'm so glad you brought voice to him. What a great man he is. Um, LGBTQ on BYU campus. Um, I was there in 1989 and we were not talking about that um, in 1989. I can't remember what we were talking about, to be honest. It was so long ago. <laughs> I knew I was just trying to get good grades and get a job, but right. <laughs> is that a conversation that's happening a lot? Are most students engaged in that dialogue or is it a smaller group or it's hard to, I know to speak for a whole student body, but just what's your feeling of, of the engagement of students at BYU in that subject? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. Um, it's kind of crazy because I feel like for probably a week and a half, it was a big thing that people were talking about um, because of the kind of, I guess, route LGBTQ rally that was happening on campus and with the honor code thing being changed and then the misinterpretations and the interpretations. Um, so I feel like it was something everyone was talking about and maybe I mean, again, it's hard. To, I mean, yeah, I can't speak for like all of BYU, obviously, but I feel like it was like pretty prevalent just because I think because of the march that the LGBTQ people and like allies were doing, 
were in the courtyard at BYU. So it's like something that everybody sees type of thing and something that normally doesn't happen. You know, we're normally not having people march in the middle of the courtyard. So I think because of that, you know, there was like a lot of attention um, brought to it. Um, And then I think um, just like a couple of um, everybody, I guess, has their own opinion on like the honor code and with the restore honor movement and things just like trying to make the honor code more fair. I think that also had to do with like the attention as well. Um, But then BYU went online and the world basically ended. And so because of that, I feel like everyone kind of like stopped focusing on that. And now is just like focusing on the coronavirus. That's good. That's pretty good interpretation too. Um, Share with us more stories that um, have got a lot of traction or just personally touching to you. One of the more recent stories that I did, um, her name is Monique, and she um, was hit by a car on her mission, and the driver purposely hit her and then ran, like left, fled the scene. And because of that, she, one of her legs, was paralyzed and so she won't have one of her legs for the rest of her life basically um and that interview really um resonated with me it's super interesting because i all the interviews that i do i pretty frequently people cry in the interviews the people that i interview um which is like very uh like humbling to me because i feel very grateful to be a part of this experience where they're opening up and sharing things so personal to them where, you know, where they're, where they're crying. Um, but this interview with Monique, I actually started crying, which, um, I don't cry a lot in the interviews. Um, but she's one of the only ones that I have cried and I cried because I felt this spirit so strongly. Um, she just, I mean, typically it's, you know, if you think about someone who, you know, gets hit by a car, their mission has to leave their mission. And then because they got hit by a car, their leg is paralyzed. And, you know, she was an athlete before and, you know, now can't do any of those things. Um, you know, it's something that's obviously a really big challenge. But just her testimony, hearing her share her testimony with me about how she knows that this is like what God wanted for her was just incredible because basically she just told me like, you know, the reason why this happened is so that I could witness to God and to so many other people that God is real. And so she had like a year ago or something, a viral video of her like trying to learn how to walk like all over social media. And so she had a bunch of like news reporters and people like come to her house in Texas and, you know, just ask about her story and like what happened. And she would always, she told me that she would always tell people before they came in and before they interviewed her, like, I want you to know that I can't tell my story without talking about my savior, Jesus Christ, because he's the reason why I'm here. So I hope that's okay with you, but 
you know, he is, you know, a huge part of my story, if not like my whole story. And so she got to share her testimony with like so many news reporters and so many people. And, and she just knows that that's why this happened so that she can be a witness of God. And I feel like when she was telling me that I remembered the scripture in, I think it's Mosiah, where the people are, they're not allowed to pray because some evil ruler told them that they can't pray. And so they pray in their hearts and basically God, you know, visits them and says that he won't take away the burden, but he'll strengthen their back so that they don't have to feel it, but that he is allowing this to happen so that the people can stand as a witness to the other people that he delivers them, that God is delivering them. So that's another story that resonated with me. That's a great story. I'm seeing her picture here on crutches and she's just full of life. And I think when people cry, it helps heal them. And I think when you, you're probably a really good listener, Hannah, and people feel safe sharing their full story. And as we sit with people and their stories, and even if that story in, it involves pain and we just sort of hold that pain, often they don't, they just, that helps heal them. And it helps right. us. You said something, I wrote down this word for word you said earlier in this segment or the prior segment, people respond to vulnerability and authenticity. I can't say that word, authenticity. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, no, that's great. And I think that's really true. And I think culturally, we sometimes don't want to be vulnerable, authentic. We we sort of divide the front of our brain into how we feel we need to project ourselves in the back of our brain. And this is what Braden kind of said on his podcast, is in a whole different spot. And that dissonance sometimes um, between what's really going on in our life and what we feel we need to project can create a lot of emotional turmoil. And we're, I find we do better when we're able to be kind of aligned and and find, now maybe not everybody, but at times people, we can be vulnerable and authentic and share how we really feel and people like you that we can go to and, and sit with them. And then I think the amount of healing you're giving all these people that are part of the humans of BYU that can share their story and then read the comments as well as the DMs they're getting of saying how much their difficult experience helps them. And right. And that's helps heal people to know that their journey, while difficult and painful, um, can help others. I mean, you sort of go on a mission to Brazil and you, you've been set apart by a stake president and you've been protected in some extent, but then because of the agency of others, she's hit um, from a car from behind, which, you know, would lead. And I think she even mentions here anger. I think Amor's a pretty normal human emotion that would occur. Right. Um, she could be angry at the driver. She could be angry at why God allowed this. I'm here on your errand. and But I think someone needs to sort through those feelings and turn to the Savior to heal broken hearts or hurt feelings. And then you can become a wounded healer to help others that have, I use this quote a lot on the podcast, you know, wounded healer's service is not authentic unless... I'm paraphrasing it now, unless he's actually walked in, he or she has walked in that desert. The great illusion of leadership is to think others can be led out of a desert by someone who's never been there. 
So, you know, all these people you're interviewing have been in deserts. (laughs) Um, Right. And even though everybody's deserts are a little different is if we're, we can heal other people because if we can talk about our own deserts and be vulnerable and authentic, we have tools to be able to heal and help others. That's one of the reasons I like Elder Holland's broken vessel talk because he went vulnerable. He went authentic. And I sometimes think as I thought when I was a YSA bishop, I thought, well, what I'm supposed to do is just sort of present this perfect LDS father with a perfect LDS family wearing perfect clothes and, I do have a perfect wife, so that was easy. But I recognize that the reality of my personal situation that during that time, because I was actually seeing a therapist for my own emotional health, um, I recognize there was distance going in my distance in some ways. And I, now that I look back, I wish I had told the YSAs, maybe not all the time, but maybe once in a while, that your own bishop is working on his own mental health. Um, I'm fine. I'm stable. I'm going to be your bishop. Don't worry too much about me. But, and I think it would have caused the YSAs in that moment of vulnerability or being authentic. I think some would have opened up to me, maybe not about the emotional issues, but just said, Hey, Bishop's safe for me to go to. If he's going to be vulnerable in appropriate way about his own emotional health, then I know I can talk to him about X. And I could have right. reached some people, perhaps, that I never could have reached um, if I'd been just a little more vulnerable. Um, other stories that you want to share? Yeah. Um, let me see. Oh, wow. There's so many wonderful people. One of the other interviews that is a little bit back it's in june so one of my early day interviews um of a couple um sam and valerie blackburn i interviewed them they were my first um, married couple and this interview sticks out to me because as they had just gotten married and they'd been married for a few months and i um Last summer in my own personal life was just trying to figure out dating like every other young single adult, I feel. And I was kind of upset that dating was a thing and that marriage was a thing. And I just really like realized that I didn't have a testimony of the doctrine of marriage or like my own personal, yeah, my own personal testimony for why it's so important and like why God wants a man and a woman to get married and I just realized I didn't have my own testimony of that and so I interviewed this couple around the time that I was going through that trying to like develop faith and a testimony for that and just interviewing them I just saw the light and the reason why like Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ want Christ Um, centered marriages and why that is so important in Heavenly Father's plan for us. Um, They just, I mean, I don't know if anything in the interview, what they said stood out to me, except for just the fact that I just felt the spirit so strong knowing that, okay, Heavenly Father is in charge and these types of marriages where Christ is the center of them are very rare. 
and I just felt really um, responsible to share like, okay, this is what, and obviously they're not perfect. They've only been married for a few months, not saying that they're perfect, but they are trying to center their marriage on Jesus Christ and on Heavenly Father. And I feel like in the world today that, I mean, outside of the church, people aren't getting getting married as much. And I would even say inside the church, people aren't getting married as much. And so it's just kind of like, uh, I know, kind of like an issue. And so I feel like showcasing this young couple who's like trying to do what God wants them to do really speaks volumes about what Heavenly Father wants for us as his children. I love that. That's a really honest one. And I love how every story reaches people in different ways. And often our life path becomes clearer uh, listening to people's stories that are a little further down the path. Um, yeah. So I love that. And I recognize culture. I recognize that what you said about marriage, I validate. Um, yeah. Our culture of our YSA ward, we tried to make it, we tried to make it about coming into Christ, not about getting married. We felt like the YSA. Amazing. <laughs> we felt the YSAs, this is we being my wife and I, felt the YSAs knew um, the doctrine of marriage and we didn't want to add any cultural additional expectations, and we recognized Sunday could be difficult for some people if that's what they heard a fair amount. And so we just, and it's something that's not in everybody's control. We didn't right. want to make the Sunday experience about things that are largely out of, I mean, there's, it's just out of some people's control, male or female. Right. But right. coming into Christ and having, um, a relationship with Christ and a foundation with Christ to navigate life is something that's within all of our control. We kind of expanded that a little bit because some YSAs would feel that would only be possible if they were kind of living every commandment and sort of had this perfect life. They felt like, okay, now I'm worthy to come into Christ. But we felt the doctrine was that everybody could come into Christ no matter where they were. They didn't sort of have to... Right isolate themselves into perfection and then turn to Christ that he wanted them to get real with them. Now he, he could only get real with them. If, if the YSAs and me too, I'm not outside of this, get real with Christ. And so uh, that's just kind of culturally what we tried to do in the YSA ward. um, We weren't perfect at that and people got married. We didn't even without us talking about it. And um, it was kind of odd and miraculous, but we didn't, sometimes we get around the other YSA bishops and they'd talk about how many marriages they've had in their ward. And we just never kept track of that. We didn't try to measure that as a, as a yardstick of the success of the ward. But I recognize that at times, maybe on an individual level, you know, people, it is helpful to talk about marriage and the beauty of marriage. And I recognize where this this story was helpful for you in your own journey about, you know, about your feelings about marriage. So that's a great story. They look great. No, yeah, I, oh, sorry. They look great on your picture here. Thank you. Yeah, they, I, I love what you said. If I could just comment on what you said about helping your ward being closer to Jesus Christ. I am so grateful that that is how you received direction to, um, 
guide your YSA ward because that's what it is all about. And I think it's not, I mean, just in general, being a young single adult in the church and the topic of marriage is just, it's hard because it's like, if you're, and I can speak to this because I'm not dating anyone and I'm not getting married anytime soon, but it's hard because it's like, you like obviously know that like oh heavenly father wants you to get married obviously at some time but you right you're right and like there's like so many things that you can't control and that's like what I've realized too and like my dating is just like you can't even control it's like it's honestly a miracle when people get married but there's (laughs) like kind of a fine line between like okay, being a young single adult and like not being bitter about those things. And then like, also like, because if you're in love and you're dating someone, then you're like, oh yeah, like marriage is great. Like all these things. But if you're not, there's kind of a tendency or at least I've seen in our culture to like be bitter or to just like not think about it. And I don't think Heavenly Father wants us to like disregard it and like be bitter about anything in general, really. And that's why my, yeah, my personal journey last summer was like so important to me because I believe like even as a young single adult or even as a single adult or wherever you're at in your life, that Heavenly Father wants us to have a testimony of the doctrine of marriage because it's so important to the plan of salvation. It's so important to helping us. It's how we become like Heavenly Father, which is why we're here. So I think it's like, I believe and what I've come to know for myself is that you can have a testimony of the doctrine of marriage and you can have a healthy relationship thinking about marriage and like, okay, that is part of Heavenly Father's plan without being married and like without being bitter. And so I think that is something that another reason why I highlighted this story, because it's like, okay, like this is like a healthy, happy marriage. And like, you know, they're just, they're doing what they can. And like, it's okay that, you know, if you're not married, it's okay, but it's still something that everybody can appreciate, whether you're single or not. Wow, I love that. That's really thoughtful, Hannah. And you got a great head on your shoulders and a great outlook. And when I talk to people your age group, I just get a lot of hope for the future of our world, for the future of our church, for the future of our culture, to help more people feel like they belong and fit in. Um, that's really cool. Other stories you'd like to share with our listeners? Maybe we'll do one Uh, more, one more story, and then I'm going to ask you some more questions. Okay, yeah. Um, Um. So I interviewed back in December, um, this guy named Hassan and he, um, is Lebanese. Um, his parents are from Lebanon, the country in the Middle East, and they moved to America. Um, and then he was born in America. Um, and he joined the church when he was 18. Um, and I, he is a wonderful individual. Um, I think 
his story is important and why it resonated with me is because um, it's just I've through humans of BYU, I've interviewed and I've talked with a lot of people at BYU who are not from the United States or are not like just like obviously you know, just from Utah, but I've talked to a lot of people and I've interviewed a lot of people who are from all over, from all different cultures and backgrounds. And it's just these people who come from different cultures or come from different religious backgrounds or come from different countries and then come to BYU, um, they sacrifice so much. And I mean, just thinking about, I mean, my friends who come from, like I interviewed another guy who's from um, the UK who moved to America to go to college and then moved to BYU and then joined the church. Um, it's just, there's a lot of, I don't know, I don't know, changes in culture. Like when you join the church, there's a lot of changes in lifestyle. Um, so leaving not only like a culture of like where you grew up, if you're from a different country and then coming to America, having to adjust to that culture and then joining a church and then having to adjust to that culture and that lifestyle. Um, there's a lot of those people at BYU and I just, they go through, um, so many things and I just feel, um, like, Holy cow, these are some of the bravest and most wonderful people that I've ever met because they've had to sacrifice so much and they've had to give up so much to be where they are today. And then they have to try to navigate BYU, which is hard in itself. And so I think like my friend Hassan, who I interviewed, or my friend Kumi, who's the one from the UK, um, just the changes in lifestyle that they've had to experience and the things that they've had to give up, um, are really, um, are a lot. And I think highlighting them on the page is just really important because sometimes I feel like people think at BYU that's like, Oh, only from Arizona and Utah, do people go to school here? And, you know, we kind of all have the same background, but there are a lot of individuals who had to give up a lot to like be where they are at today. So love that. Um, he's in the brig. He's in the red shirt, I think on the account. Yep. Uh-huh. Talk about, um, is BYU in an official way reached out to you at all and said, do this, don't do this. Or is there been any communication officially? So no, I did. A, so when I did Hassan's story, I actually, cause he, um, he is like one of the only um, members of the church from Lebanon that is at BYU and is in America. So I thought his story was pretty cool um, and I wanted more people to see it. So I reached out to the um, communications department, the official communications department at BYU and asked them if I could, if they could you know, share the story on their, you know, the official BYU Instagram page somehow. And on, but they responded saying that it wasn't in their like protocol to do that. But they asked if I could do uh, my view from BYU. I don't know if you've seen those, but they sometimes have 
different students at BYU take over the official BYU's Instagram page story for a day. So I got to do that in December. Um, And so that's been the only like official, I guess if that's official, like communication with the actual university about what I'm doing. But I have a lot of people, I have a lot of university accounts that follow humans at BYU. So just like, I don't know, like, you know, the BYU folk dance team or ROTC or, you know, organizations within BYU that follow the page and even the BYU official Instagram itself. follows That's great. BYU. I love what you're doing. And I, I, I would only imagine and I believe that BYU administration is thrilled with what you're doing. It's consistent with BYU goals. Um, you've graduated. Is your is do you have a job or is this becoming your job? Yeah. So yeah, I graduate in June. So that's kind of my whole future is kind of up in the air because I was going <laughs> to be in Europe. I was going to be in Europe this summer on a study abroad. Oh. Um, and so, <laughs> so I didn't. I don't have anything like super planned because I was just going to. I was going to graduate and then take the summer to just be in Europe and explore and kind of as a last like hurrah or beginning hurrah for my new life after I graduated. So right now I have a bunch of things up in the air. Not a lot of decisions have been made, but um, I am planning on transitioning the account to something um, where I can continue doing after I graduate from BYU. Um, But I have plans for that, but they're kind of secret plans right Good. now. So it sounds like um, the goal is to keep it going and your involvement. Yes, to stay. the goal is to keep it going. I honestly, um, Heavenly Father really um, wants me to interview people and to give his children on earth um, authentic and vulnerable stories. And I really believe that our lives are our testimonies. And so I, I really feel strongly. I kind of have this secret dream. I don't really tell like a lot of people this, but I kind of have a secret dream that I could get everybody's testimony in the world online. That's cool. <laughs> that's always been like a little secret dream of mine. And this kind of um, fulfills that in a way. Obviously, it's not like super direct, like, you know, like standing at the pulpit testimonies. But I feel like these experiences that people are sharing are like the core part of who they are, which is like, as members of the church, typically the core part of their relationship with God and their testimonies. And so I'm very, I am very dedicated to sharing that in the world and um, helping people feel more light. So it's really cool. I just, yeah, I think you understand the technology. You have the right heart for it. You have the passion for it. You're called, you have a real feeling of an impression from Heavenly Father. This is your work. And I just, I think that you'll be able to continue to do this. And so on behalf of all of our listeners, um, we're really grateful. Hannah Larson calling in from Page, Arizona to be on the podcast and Please, our listeners, go to Humans of BYU on Instagram. Um, when this right now, there's six thousand three hundred thirty-nine followers. I hope that when this podcast 
goes out, and I think about 8,000 listen, I hope a lot of you go to this page and follow it. And I'd love to see a huge spike in followers just so more can engage in these stories. And these stories will help all of us as you read them and share them, and they could become the basis of church talks or family discussions or to be able to talk about these um, real and vulnerable subjects to help us come into Christ and help everybody. Any closing thoughts, Hannah? Um, I just thank you so much for letting me share about this page. I am so passionate about helping everybody love and helping everybody come closer to Jesus Christ. So thank you for giving me this opportunity. God is the best. I love him. Jesus is the best. And I know that as we, you know, do our best to follow them and see what they want us to do with our lives that they'll tell us and that we'll be guided to know how we can reach our potential and how we can help other people. I love that. And I, you know, I don't have any of our listeners who connected with sort of what's going on at BYU, but I am very, we, my wife and I have two children at BYU and I'm engaged just with a lot of um, students at BYU. I've gotten to know many, several faculty members and there's just a lot of good work being done at BYU with really thoughtful people to help um, all of our members feel like they belong and address um, complicated issues head on in a faithful and authentic way. And so I love what's going on at BYU, and I hope that that can be scaled to our families, to local wards, to other schools, because there are some wonderful things happening at BYU that give me hope as we all come into Christ. So thank you, Hannah Larson. Thank our listeners for joining us. This is Richard Osler um, signing off. and like to thank my podcast tech guy, Tom Garbett, who's been with me from the beginning. He puts these up on wherever that you're listening him, adds a little music bed. So I'm grateful for Tom's work. And thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.